Uh, prophets are the people that tell you the way to go. You can, you can listen or not. That's the deal with them. Give you the honor you deserve. 
of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become Hey there guys, as I was praying about our opening prayer today, this scripture came to mind. It came from 2 Corinthians 4.16, which says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So let's pray along those lines. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even though we are undergoing so many stresses and things which seem to in some ways just killing us god thank you that you are renewing us inwardly day by day lord we pray for the grace as we come into this new year to let go of what is passing and to receive from you what's eternal lord we pray that uh we don't have ears to hear uh from the message this morning about not flirting with the world but focusing on the love of heaven, of being eternally set uh, on what you are bringing to life and what you are establishing in us in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We declare uh, that you are a good God and that you have our future in mind. Lord, we pray uh, for strength to hear, to believe, and to look in hope to what you have. We thank you for this day. Bless our hearing and uh, 
Thank you for our community. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, Blue Water, welcome. I'm Rolo, I'm the children's pastor, and here is this week's announcements. On the 24th, we have our prophecy service. It happens once a year, and it is one of our big events that we love to gather for. And I was just thinking about how in Matthew 4, Jesus instructs us that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we believe that as we gather as a community for this service, we will receive words from God that will help to sustain us and give us life for this year, that will go into the rest of the year full of faith and excitement for what he's gonna do. And to help us uh, with our limited space, we need uh, everyone to register as soon as possible to make sure that we can follow all the safety guidelines and uh, that we can have a great service. Uh, and with that said, let's continue our worship with our tithes and offering. If you are visiting, or this is your first time, please uh, don't give. This is our gift to you. And for those of you who are regulars, you can give by uh, going online or you can mail it to our church office. And now it's time to pray for the kids. I love this part. Kids that are watching, please stand up. We are gonna bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for every child, and we thank you for the privilege of getting to raise up the next generation in your ways. We bless every single one today and ask that they would get to know who you are and what you're like, that they would learn to anticipate your goodness as they go on through all their adventures that they have through their days and their weeks ahead. We thank you so much for our kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, prophets are the people that tell you the way to go. You can, you can listen or not. That's the deal with them. Uh, today, uh, we are ending our sermon series on the book of Daniel, and I want to kind of summarize what we've had in our study of that book. Daniel was a man whom Jesus called a prophet, and that should probably be uh, of note. He was also an interesting figure in a lot of ways, as we've come to know. Daniel was a captive. He was a prisoner of war, a refugee of war in a way. Uh, he was taken to a foreign city called Babylon, which was a famously uh, powerful and wicked city. And he was forced to serve in Babylon. He was recruited into kind of the university system and then recruited into the Babylonian bureaucracy. And the stories of the book of Daniel are mostly about him managing to maintain his godly culture in the midst of a culture that was extraordinarily wicked. He maintained his godly culture and his values in the midst of awesome pressure to conform. And what we find out about Daniel, first of all, is that Daniel is sort of a champion nonconformist. The dude knows how to do it. He knows how to not play along and still uh, come out powerfully. Uh, there are a number of great stories in Daniel about exactly how he did that. You know, uh, things about food, the story about the lion's den that Rolo talked to us about last week. 
He managed to not conform while still being a blessing to everyone around him, leading at least two kings uh, and, and who knows how many others to acknowledge and worship the true God. In the middle of all the dramas of Daniel's life, in the course of his simple but enormously faithful devotional life, his relationship with God, Daniel received prophecies from the Lord, in addition to prophetic interpretations of dreams that God gave other people. Sometimes Daniel's revelations were about the near present, uh, as when he predicted the mental illness of King Nebuchadnezzar or declared the immediate overthrow of King Belshazzar. But sometimes Daniel's revelations were about the distant future, as when he predicted with astonishing accuracy the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem centuries uh, after Daniel uh, had already died, uh, a prediction which is probably directly responsible for the famous Magi journeying from Persia uh, into uh, Israel during the Christmas story. And then at the end of the book of Daniel, where we are today in chapters 10 through 12, there's this long sweeping prophecy about the future of Daniel's world. It is epic and it too covers centuries. It predicts for basically the second time in the book of Daniel, a succession of kingdoms in that region of the world. A succession of kingdoms that in fact, we can now trace through history as they would eventually appear through the centuries. There was the Persian Empire, there was uh, the, the expansive Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. There were the empires of his successors that Daniel talks about, including the Seleucid Empire uh, that began in the region of Egypt before migrating north. The book talks about that. He predicted the Roman Empire and so on. Eventually, scholars think he even makes mention of the kingdom of this guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, baby name, uh, who was a, uh, a Greek king who reigned from Syria and who would become infamous for sacking Jerusalem and desecrating the temple, uh, which Daniel mentions. You can delve into all of these sweeping prophecies if you want. Go online, there are many websites, all of them have different opinions, but there you go, have fun with it. But at this point in time, on this side of history, since all of those empires have already transpired, what's most interesting to me about the story of Daniel's revelations, um, the sweeping prophecy, the final sweeping prophecies that we see in the book of Daniel, is how the revelation goes down for Daniel. Um, because uh, we get to some degree, the story of his life, his approach to things. And when you put those things together, the approach of a simply devoted man and the prophecy that he receives, I think you learn something about how to live out a supernatural life in a fallen world. Uh, so I'll read excerpts uh, from the end of the book today. I'll read from Daniel chapter 10, which is sort of the beginning of this sweeping prophecy that I mentioned. And then I'll read some verses from chapter 12, which is toward the end. Uh, you can follow along if you want. You can read through it, the whole thing, on your own time at some point, if you indeed are into it. We'll begin with Daniel chapter 10, 1 through 14. 
In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, we've already heard a little bit about Cyrus uh, in the story, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war or a great struggle. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So what happened is that Daniel received a revelation, uh, uh, and then later in a vision, he received understanding about the revelation. So it's kind of like when you have one of those dreams, those wild dreams that you, you're pretty sure they're from God, but you don't understand it yet. And maybe you need to go someone, to someone to get help with the interpretation, or maybe you need to pray it through or something like that. Well, that's the position that Daniel is in in this story. So he's had this, this uh, dramatic revelation concerning a great war, this sort of epic struggle. And in the in-between time, he doesn't understand it yet. Eventually, it gets to him through a vision. And this is the story of that. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. So he's had this revelation about this great struggle. He doesn't understand it yet. And it makes him depressed, right? So he's, it's really struck him like, well, this is important. I don't get it. What's going on? So I mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat. Of course not. Uh, no wine touched my lips. Wow. And I use no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So he was sad. He didn't eat much. He didn't shower. Um, That's how he pursued revelation. Word to the wise. Then on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with the belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So they didn't see what Daniel saw, but they felt the presence of this glowing angel that Daniel was seeing. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep. My face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. The angel has come to give him understanding of the revelation. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. That's obviously a spiritual principality, the prince of the Persian kingdom. 
Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. A lot of spiritual battle in the heavenlies, in other words. But now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And then indeed the angel goes into a big explanation of this sweeping vision. I've already told you a little bit about that. It had to do with successive kingdoms in that region of the world. What sets Daniel apart, I think, in his particular uh, ministry of revelation and prophecy is that when he when he sees something that he doesn't quite understand, he goes for the understanding and he goes hard, right? He went on a three-week fast. He humbled himself. He abased himself before the God, before God and, and it would have involved him abasing himself before other people as well. He wasn't showering. He wasn't dressing right. And uh, he just goes for it. And evidently that touches off a lot of activity in heaven. And then we get a window into this heavenly drama. Angels are finding angels as one tries to break through to deliver a revelation to Daniel. It's all very, um, it's all very Hollywood in a way. I and mean, you could imagine this dramatized with some serious um, special effects. But eventually the angel gets to him and delivers uh, the revelation uh, in honor of Daniel's pursuit. In honor of Daniel's pursuit of understanding heaven delivers to him understanding even through the midst of struggle. That's just nice to know. That's just nice to know for those of us who want prophetic guidance from God. Write it down on a post-it. Very often people will show up at Blue Water when we have normal services or they will come to a prophecy service like we're having next weekend. And they will receive some sort of revelation from the Lord, they will receive a profound supernatural experience and then they just leave it, right? And think, wow, that was impressive. And then you don't really see them do anything with it or maybe they just don't come back to the church. The Lord speaks, but because the Lord never speaks entirely what you want him to hear, he only gives you the next steps, right? You have to pursue if you want to get more revelation. Basic lesson from scripture, Daniel isn't the only place where you read that. Uh, That always breaks my heart when it happens. Uh, The story here about the Revelation, by the way, opens next to the river, it says. Throughout Jewish history, uh, the Jews have spent a lot of time in places of exile, places of diaspora, where they've been forced to settle in foreign cities. And for centuries, it was the custom of the Jews on the Sabbath because they had no temple to go to. They had no place to meet. They would meet by whatever the closest river was. You see Paul uh, make use of this tradition when he did evangelism among the Jews outside of Israel during his missionary journeys. So Daniel's having a fellowship meeting next to the river. And then they have this big angelic manifestation. Everybody freaks out. Uh, Daniel freaks out so much he faints, uh, but he sticks with it. Uh, and, and then he gets this awesome revelation from the angel. Um, it's a unique window into uh, a highly prophetic existence. Our plane of existence is not the only one in the universe, it says to me. Uh, there are crazy things going around us, going on around us all the time. There are angels in our midst. Some of you have entertained angels without knowing it, Paul says uh, to his disciples in the New Testament. 
there's stuff going on, man. And people who pursue revelation will get revelation about that. I occasionally in my life have had milder, uh, but still impressive angelic encounters, or what I would uh, describe as angelic encounters. <clears throat> there are times in my life when I have felt the Spirit of God come into the room. Any of you guys ever felt that? Feel the Spirit of God come on you? And then there are times when I felt the presence of respect for God come in the room. Does that make sense? Right? It has a slightly different personality. And I interpret that as an angelic presence. I've never had a vision of a glowing angel like Daniel had. Um, but there's uh, a holy sort of respect, that respect for God that angels carry. And I'm convinced that you can sense it when it shows up and it affects you and it drives you to your knees, right? There's something, you know, respect to the nth degree almost feels like fear, you know? That much respect, that much awe. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the, the personality that angels carry. Uh, in case you're wondering, you can put that on a post-it too, if it interests you. Uh, I guess what I wanna say uh, about how Daniel receives uh, this vision is, is that, uh, there is powerful and historically epic supernatural stuff happening around us all the time. And that's just worth knowing. Some people will tune into it and some people won't, but you know what? It's happening. It's happening. Uh, you can plug into it. You can run away from it, which is what Daniel's river companions did. Or you can just ignore it and not even realize it's going down. Uh, but if you wanna be a guy like Daniel, you press in. If you attend to it, if you press into it, it might make you more able to transcend the culture of Babylon in which you are forced to serve. A lesson from the book of Daniel. There's the God of day to day, and then there's the God of the ages, you know? There's the God of, of your life and circumstances, and then there's the God of the universe. Same guy, as it turns out. And it's worth knowing all facets of the Lord. It's helpful. Uh, it was helpful for, for Daniel, it would seem. Uh, it's good to be in touch with all of the Lord if we are to rise above. And we kind of see that in chapter 12, actually, skipping ahead toward the end of the angelic visitation, if you don't mind. I'll just read the opening verses to the last chapter. And the angel is still talking to Daniel. He's given him the understanding of this disturbing dream that he had. He's told him about these successive kingdoms and about how much struggle there will be in the world uh, as a result of kingdoms clashing. And then he says this, at that time, toward the end, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, referring to Michael the archangel, you know, like the chief angel warrior dude that we read about sometime in scripture. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. <clears throat> there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. 
multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life. Some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there trying to find knowledge. There are some things in the end, Daniel, that a lot of people just won't understand. Seal them up in your scroll. Wise people will investigate it. They'll run here and there trying to get to knowledge, and they probably will. If they are wise and if they understand where this is headed, if they understand that all the epic struggles of the earth are headed toward the final judgment and resurrection of the dead, some unto life and joy, some not. If you understand that, uh, they're wise enough, uh, they will understand that. And live accordingly, I think, is the implication. So it's instructive to me that at the end of this sweeping uh, prophecy about the progress of nations and kingdom struggles and history, that the angel tells Michael, all of history will eventually end. And it will end with a sort of struggle the world has never seen before. Sometimes this is referred to as the tribulation or the great struggle. And this is what Daniel's prophecy is getting to, evidently. Um, what will save you is if your name is written in the book, you know, in the book of life. Um, it's what it's called in the New Testament. Wise people will understand this truth and they will lead many to righteousness, to use the phrase that the angel used with Daniel. If you are wise, you will commit yourself to the truth of God's judgment. If you're really wise, you will recruit other people into that faith with you. And then you will shine like the sun. You too will be glorious. The respect for God will attend you like a formidable presence. Um, nice prophecy, yeah? I like that passage. It is classic and one I think that Jesus himself liked. Time marches on, great struggles happen, but it all comes down to resurrection and judgment. Um, ignore it at your peril. Uh, there's so much work we have to do in this world and so much of the world that is beyond us. Uh, we just play our parts and then trust in the ultimate climax. That's kind of what the angel said to Daniel. Or you can think about it this way. No matter how much you manage to do, you will always be living in between the moment when God created you and the moment when God will recreate you. And those are the two fundamentals that no one can escape. Uh, no matter how much drama goes down in the world. Uh, it'd be a good time to consider uh, some of your takeaways from the book of Daniel. What have you learned from Daniel? If some crazy looking angel visited you today, what sort of wisdom would you want that angel to share with you? 
good things to think about. Um, one thing you might take away from the book of Daniel, particularly this end of it, is that there's more going on with you than you think there's going on with you. Today, you might be concentrating on something that you need to pick up from the supermarket. Uh, but in fact, there might be angels at war around you seeking to bring you understanding that will deliver you securely to eternity. But there is a good sale on soy milk at Safeway. I'm just saying. Uh, there is you, and then there is eternal you. You have a place and function in this world, but you also have a place and function that transcends time itself. I don't know. It's just worth keeping that in your head. Uh, and to honor that, I suggest that you do two things. I suggest, number one, that you stay small. And number two, that you get big. And here's what I mean by that. Stay small by doing your simple devotions and being very uncomplicated about your simple values. I mean, we learned that about Daniel, right? It's the first thing we learned about Daniel is that uh, he didn't really want to eat from the king's table. He didn't want to eat food that wasn't kosher, that was unhealthy, you know, so he decided from the outset, if he had to serve in Babylon, you know, he, he wanted to preserve some form of purity, even if it was in the form of the food that he ate. And it worked out for him. He got thrown into the lion's den, as Rolo talked about last week, because he just prayed three times a day. And people used that to accuse him of disloyalty to the king. But he stuck with it anyway, right? Just these simple devotions, because what keeps us honest are the things that we do daily. And if we're going to do it daily, it needs to be fairly bite-sized, right? So you have your quiet time. You read a little bit of scripture. You have set times in the day where you turn to the Lord in prayer a little bit. You do, you know, the bedtime prayer with your kids or something like that. Grace before meals. I mean, these are manini things. They're small, but they're big, you know. And then in terms of values, you just have to be clear on what's right and what's wrong and not spend a lot of time in the gray area. And you see this with Daniel. You see with his friends, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not bowing down to that statue. Even if you're telling me it's just kind of a gesture of unity, I'm not doing it because that's not right. That, that seems very uncool. So no, no. Well, you can kill me if you want to. <laughs> You know, that's how important it was to them. And they got thrown in the fire, but they did not cook. Say it with me. They did not cook. I don't know, it seemed important. Uh, if it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. That's being small. Get big, I would suggest, by meditating regularly on what God is doing beyond you. And we see this a lot in the book of Daniel as well. You know, you would get these big prophecies about, well, tonight, king, your kingdom is over. Or, yeah, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, you rule over the world, but, you know, you're just a man. Or uh, there's a Messiah coming. 
centuries from now, on this date, or man, all of the kingdoms are going to precede through history in the end. It's all going to end with the, the resurrection of the dead and the final judgment of God. There are some sweeping themes in there. And Daniel was kind of anchored in those things as well. He had one anchor in the small daily things, and he had one anchor in the sweeping heavenly epic things. And that's kind of healthy, I think. I mean, that's a balanced diet, a balanced spiritual diet, if you know what I mean. And, and we need to straddle both worlds, I think, in order to transcend the culture of Babylon in which we live and, and serve. So uh, when I say meditate about the things that God is doing beyond you, what's he doing in the church? You know, that's one level. What's he doing in Blue Water? I don't know, pray about it, tap into it. What's he doing in the capital C church? What's the move of the Lord? Or what are the moves of the Lord among his people on the globe today? I mean, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, the globe is pretty small today. You can, you can find out what the moves of the Lord are in all sorts of different places. You can find out what he's doing in the progress of kingdoms and other places in, in the world. So, I don't know, pray about that. Pray for your nation. Do that. You know, Paul tells us to do it. Um, it gets you beyond you in a way that I think it's health, healthy. It's amazing what that does. It's amazing what it does to just pray for your church and to pray for your nation. There's probably a whole teaching to give on that, but trust me, it gets you into a different plane. And once you get there, among other things, revelation happens more easily. Anyway, word to the wise. That's what prophets do. They point the way. You can listen or not. I have a very strange way to sum up what I'm saying today about like the, the small and the big and being anchored in different worlds. Here's how I'd say it. This may be like one of the weirdest sermon analogies of all time. And I've had some weird ones. Uh, but, but here's what I want to leave you with. You know, you live in the grittiness of earth. Flirt with heaven. Flirt with heaven. Do not flirt with Babylon. Be a flirt. Flirt with heaven, but do not flirt with Babylon. On the weirdo meter, where is that? You understand what I'm saying about that? Flirt with heaven. Do not flirt with Babylon. Flirting is the activity that we do to draw someone in, right? When you fall into sin, it's because you flirted with it first. Am I right? Tell me, sinners. Let's be honest. So, you know, don't flirt with Babylon. You know, Daniel didn't flirt with Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not flirt with Babylon. And we get some great stories about how it worked out from them, right? That's the fun part of the book of Daniel. Turn it on its head. Flirt with heaven, though, right? Because when you flirt with heaven, you draw heaven in. And how do you flirt with heaven? Well, little things during the course of the day, you know, little texts. I love you, heaven. You know, stuff like that. Little flirts, you know, emojis and stuff. Um, and, you know, you're never going to see 
everything that's going on in heaven. I mean, you're never going to see all of the angelic battling around you. But flirt with it. You know what I mean? Think about it. Attend to it. Pray about it. Pray for it. Little flirts. And what happens is that it, it draws heaven closer to you. You know? You get it? Are you feeling it? No. Don't you dare flirt with Babylon. Be simple and small like Daniel. But flirt with heaven, which requires you to be big and expansive like Daniel. Such a flirt. Heavenly Father, I pray um, that your revelation would capture our heart. And I pray that as people of captured hearts, we would be free, even when held captive in the midst of Babylon. You have uh, won our attention, Lord. We wish to draw you in. We wish to draw heaven closer to earth. We wish to walk in both worlds all the time. I pray that you would make us a simple and a prophetic people. At this upcoming prophecy service, Lord, I pray that you would speak mightily and impressively in ways that are both small and big. I pray that you would set us up to do well in the present and settle us to be at peace in the distant future. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, Amen. Hi, Blue Water. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think one of the things that I've learned the most through this series in Daniel is just how important those small daily habits and um, good routines are in building our identity and our character and our relationship with God. Um, so let me pray for you as we close. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much um, for being in our small lives, Lord. Um, we pray that you would help us to develop uh, those habits of looking to you and spending time with you um, and being with you so that we can fit better into your big picture of what you're doing in this crazy world in these crazy times, Lord. Um, we thank you for the perspective that you give us in Jesus' name. We hope so much that we'll get to see you next week at our prophecy service. Please register if you can make it. Uh, in the meantime, if you need some words of encouragement or some prayer, uh, you can email Julie at Blue Water Mission and uh, she can get you in touch with someone to pray with you on our prayer line. Um, it's a great resource. Uh, please take advantage of it. Aloha. See you next week.